The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Last week, together, we looked at verse 34, at what Jesus had to say is the requirement for all believers in Him. And that requirement is that we follow Him or that we come after Him. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said. And then we spent the rest of our time looking at Jesus' description of what a follower of Him or what a disciple of Him looks like or what they do. We looked at three things. First, that to be a follower of Jesus means that you pledge your allegiance to Him above all others, even yourself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. That to follow Jesus is an exercise in self-denial. It's an exercise in, in seeking after Him instead of seeking after the things that, that you may want or the things that you may think would bring you fulfillment. To, to seek after Jesus instead of seeking after the things of the flesh or the things of the world. The second thing that following Jesus is, is adoration. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That a disciple in the process of denying himself, willingly suffers for the sake of Jesus. Willingly lays down his life, not always literally, though that happens and has happened and will continue to happen, but spiritually to to die to yourself and to to lay down your life and to be willing to suffer, to be willing to bear a reproach. And the reason why we are, are willing to do that is because we adore Jesus above all things. We treasure him above all things. We treasure him above our very lives. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me, that the life of a disciple is one of attachment, or it's one of abiding, of, of continually coming after, following after Jesus, of continually seeking him through his word and applying it to our lives. Now, what Jesus had to say in verse 34 is incredibly difficult. It's very hard. Like I said last week, this is why the path that leads to destruction is wide and many find it, but the path that leads to eternal life is narrow and few find it. And if we read those words of Jesus and and put yourself there that day amongst the crowd in front of this man who would say, if anyone wants to follow me, 
They would need to set about denying themselves and put to death their worldly wants and desires and work to slay their self-centeredness. And follow me, Jesus says, this man who has just said that he must suffer and die. Why in the world would anyone want to do that? This is a hard way to live. This is a difficult way to live. This is a way to live that, that goes against everything that uh, comes to us naturally because of our sin. This is a way to live that goes against everything the world says is the way that we should live. Why would anyone want to live a life of self-denial and suffering for this man? That's the real question. Well, Jesus, in his grace, answers that question in the next four verses that we look at this morning. And they serve us as the explanation or the reason why we must follow Jesus. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would be my disciple, let him do these, these things because... Of this, Jesus says. The way we know that this is the explanation is because of the beginning word of each of those four verses. And there are four fours there. For whoever would save his life. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. For what can a man give in return for his soul? Each of these verses tell us the argument to why. They refer back to the verse that's before them. So hopefully you see the progression here of, of Jesus' argument, of Jesus' thought. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, then this is what they must do. This is what that looks like. And here's the reason why. Choosing that kind of life is the best decision you can make. We see it in three things, and they're sort of given to us in the negative. So I say it this way, because if we don't follow Jesus, then three things will happen that we see in these four verses. Here's the first. If you don't follow Jesus, you will lose your life. If you don't follow Jesus, you will forfeit your soul. If you don't follow Jesus, then Jesus will deny you in the end. Those are the three things we see in these four verses. These are the arguments as to why we must follow Jesus. First, because if you don't, you will lose your life. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is a great paradox. It is gaining by losing. To get the life that Christ offers you, you must be willing to set your life 
aside, to lay it down, to lose it as you know it. Jesus says it this way, for whoever would save his life, whoever seeks to save his life, will lose it. This first usage of the word save here is to save your life for yourself. To keep things the way that they are. Jesus has in mind here this idea of grasping to your life tightly. To hold fast to your control and to be unwilling to submit to Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus has in mind here when he says, if anyone would save his life, to hold fast to your control. If you live that life, if you live a life where you are at the center, then Jesus says, you will lose it. You will lose it. Lose it here is literally destroy it. Destroy it. Your self-preservation will ultimately lead to your destruction. It will lead to your destruction both now in this life and later in the next life. If you hold tightly to your control, if you refuse and reject to to follow Jesus under his lordship and authority, if you refuse to give him him control, if you refuse in this futile effort to hold on to your life, if you refuse to lay it down before him and say, do with it what you will, then you will lead to destruction in this life and the next. In this life, that destruction will look like you never understanding, never living, never experiencing all that God has for you. I can promise you that all that God has for you is greater than anything that the world has to offer you. And if you hold tightly and are unwilling to submit to him, then you will lose your life now. You will sacrifice a life of real joy and a life of fulfillment for things that never last and never truly satisfy. And if you hold tightly and refuse to submit to him as Lord, it will lead to your destruction later. You will not get eternal life with God. Instead, if you are unwilling to lose your life now, you will lose it in hell eternally. Jesus says it this way in Luke 16, 13 that no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, that's not just true with money, is it? 
the, the idea there is that you cannot serve, you cannot find as your ultimate authority, you cannot find as your ultimate treasure anything other than God and receive from God all that he has from you. You can't do it. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot hold more tightly to anything other than Jesus. You cannot do it. John 12, 24 and 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That there is in God's economy and there is in God's kingdom, there is a life that is produced only through death. And that death is the death to yourself. When you die to yourself and your own sinful desires, when you die and let go of your own control and you give your life fully to Jesus, it's then and only then that you can experience the fruitful and fulfilling life that God offers in him. That's the only way. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever grasps tightly to it in an attempt to save it will lose it. But Jesus says in verse 35 of Mark 8, whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. You see, the the for my sake and for the gospel's sake, that is the difference maker, isn't it? That if you lose your life for Jesus' sake and for the gospel's sake, you will save it. Now, Let's not just read this and think that this only means physical death, that this only means martyrdom. It is that, but it's not only that. It is a giving up of our control for his. It's a living under the lordship of Jesus Christ where he is the authority. And what he says, his words, they are the final authority for how we live, not what I want or how I feel. If you live that way, the losing of yourself, the laying down of your life, you will find life both now and later. If you give your life, if you lay it down fully to Jesus Christ, he will take it, he will sanctify it, he will fill it, he will empower it, And he will fulfill it. And you will find in him a fullness of joy. You will find in him an everlasting life. Only through the process of giving yourself up to him. But if you don't, you will lose your life. Why should we be willing to do the hard thing? Why should we be willing to say, Jesus, I, I lay down my life. I deny myself. I take up my cross and I follow you. Why must we be willing to do that? Because if we don't, we will lose our life. Secondly, because if you don't, you 
will forfeit your soul. Verse 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Jesus here asks us a couple of questions to to ponder, to think on, to search ourselves with. And this question deals with profits and losses. All right? Any any bookkeepers? Any, uh, Any economists? I could tell by looking at you. But we generally understand anyone who's ever balanced a checkbook. Still no. All right, we got it. We generally understand the idea of looking at our gains and our losses, our, our deposits and our withdrawals, right? I mean, you generally understand, understand that, that process. To look and to see, has there been, is there a profit, right? So you put everything you gain or everything you got in one column, you put everything it cost you in the other column, and you see wh- how it how it adds up at the end. Was it a wise decision? Was it a good investment or was it not? Did we make money? Did we not make money? Did we make a profit? Did we not make a profit? Was it worth it? Was the sacrifice, whatever it may have been, was it worth it? That's Jesus' question. And his question is posed like this. If, hypothetically, you could gain the whole world, Gain the whole world and everything in it. That's, that's more than we could ever comprehend. I've, I've, just, I've been in, in shock by the fact that Elon Musk made $150 billion last year in one year. $40 million a day. He's now the richest man in the world. But what Jesus is talking about here is, is, a, is a richness beyond that. What if you could gain the entire world? You put the world and everything it has to offer in the gains column. But over here in the losses column, it costs you your very soul. Would you make that deal? Have you really gained Is it worth it? And the answer is, no, it's not worth it. No, it's not worth it. We know it's not worth it for a lot of reasons. I know it's not worth it because Jesus was made that very offer. And he turned it down. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, after his baptism, is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. In verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. In other words, everything in the world will be yours. You can put them in the gains column if you'd bow down and worship me. 
it'll cost you your soul. And he said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. There's nothing, there's nothing worth more than your eternal soul. Even if in refusing to let go of yourself, you get everything the world has to offer, you would still come out on the losing end because you would lose your soul. To have all earthly possible treasures temporarily, but to have no eternal blessings is an incalculable loss. Because anything we gain in this life is temporary. This life is but a vapor. It's here for a second and it's gone. It's over. But eternal life is forever. This is the story of the rich young ruler. At Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What is it that I must do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would have eternal life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which one? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all of these I have kept. It's like the greatest statement of a lack of self-awareness in the history of man. Every one of these I have kept. I've kept them better than anybody. What do I still lack? Jesus said, if you would be perfect... Then go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Now, never has it been true and never will it be true that the requirement to get into heaven is to sell everything you have and give to the poor. That was not Jesus' point. So we've got to remember that Jesus has an ability that we do not have. Jesus has lots of abilities that we do not have, but one in particular is that he can absolutely see the intentions of a person's heart. He knows their heart. And as this rich young ruler has come and is interacting with Jesus, Jesus knows his heart, and Jesus knows that he treasures his treasure above everything else. And so Jesus' command is, you got to be willing to let go of everything you have. And come and follow me. The requirement is to come and follow him. But to really follow him, you've got to be willing to let go of everything. And Jesus knew this man's heart and he knew that he wasn't. And so when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to sacrifice what he had for Jesus' sake, even if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul, you still lose things. Now, please don't misunderstand me to say that it is wrong to have things. 
It is not wrong to have things. It is wrong for things to have you. For possessions, for worldly treasures, for accolades, for popularity, to have a hold of you. That is wrong. First John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? It is of no profit. And then the second question in verse 37, for what can a man give in return for his soul? If your soul is lost, what can you have to give to get it back? Is there anything too big that you would be unwilling to give to get your soul back? The answer is no. You would give anything to get your soul back if your soul is lost. Here's the reality. You and I have nothing to give. We have nothing to give. We have nothing to bring into that equation. But Christ Jesus does. He has what it takes to win your soul back. He has perfect and complete righteousness. And he has willingly and graciously and lovingly laid down his life for us. And he offers to us our souls back. And what's it cost us? It costs us everything. It costs us a willingness to follow him. The world is passing away and the treasures with it. But the soul lives forever. And any reasoning man would live for it what is eternal and not for what is temporary. But it is incredible to think that anyone would forfeit eternity in heaven for a few fleeting decades of self-indulgence. Yet that is what most people do. Such is the power of our sinfulness. If you don't follow Jesus as Lord, you will forfeit your soul. That's the second reason. The third is because if you don't follow him, he will deny you in the end. Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. For whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus says. What does it mean to be ashamed of him? It means to deny him. It means to seek to belong to the world instead of belonging to him. 
It means to live for the world's approval or the world's applause. It means to be unwilling to suffer the shame of being attached to Him. The reality that that's the world we live in continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow, doesn't it? That if we openly, boldly, publicly confess our attachment is to Jesus Christ, we suffer shame. We're pushed to the fringes of society. We're considered old-fashioned. We're considered backwards. We're considered bigots. We're considered ignorant. We're in need of re-education. We're in need of enlightenment. There's a time coming. It may not be in our generation. It may be in our children's. It may be in our grandchildren's or great-grandchildren's where the reality is there will be a growing number of people who must be willing to suffer shame for the sake of Jesus Christ. And there will be an ever-growing number of people who are unwilling and who are ashamed of him. And here's the reality, church. This isn't anything new. This is, this is 2,000 plus years ago. Jesus is talking to real people in real time, in a real place. And he says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Now, that sounds like today. And the reality is that's been the case. Since the fall, that's been the case, and it's not going to get any better. Let's stop thinking it's going to get any better. It's not getting better until Jesus comes again. It's not. The world is sinful. The world is adulterous. This adultery here is a spiritual adultery. It's an unfaithfulness to God. It's an affair with the world. And if we are ashamed of him, if we are unwilling to follow him and bear the reproach and suffer the shame, then he will deny us when he comes again. Scariest verses in all the Bible, Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will then declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That to be welcomed by Jesus, to be recognized by Jesus means that in this life we follow Jesus. And that following of Jesus is marked by self-denial, by taking up our cross and sticking closely to him. So that he knows us and we know him. Not in our works. In knowing him. And following him. 
Jesus says, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus come. Jesus is coming again. And when Jesus comes again, it will not be in flesh but in glory. It will not be in humility but in power. And it will be to judge the living and the dead in all righteousness. And if you are too ashamed to follow him in this life, he will deny you when he comes again. Why would we be willing to do the hard thing of self-denial, of taking up our cross and of following him? Because if we don't, we will lose our life. We will forfeit our soul. And Jesus will deny us in the end. Jesus is calling all of us to step out of the world, to lose our control, to take the reproach, and to follow him. And in doing so, we get real life. And if we don't, we lose everything. Listen, there is no in-between. There's no in-between. You're either following him or you're not. Jesus' call and the call of grace, and the call of joy, and the call of life, both now and for eternity, is to come and follow him. Let's pray. Father, would you help us in this task, a task far too big, a task far too hard for any of us on our own to do. We cannot do it. We cannot. Left to our own devices, left in our own sin, we would but reject you. We are your enemy. We are totally and completely marred by sin, destroyed by sin. Our hearts are hearts of stone. But God, you and your grace, you take out our heart of stone and you put in a heart of flesh. And though we were yet your enemies, Christ died for us and you have called us out of darkness, out of sin, out of of the denial of you and into a life of self-denial and a fullness of joy. God, would you help us? Would you help us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow you? God, may your call be effectual. It is. All that the Father gives to you, Jesus, will come to you. Our prayer is that you would call every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. 
To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.